Welcome back to Local News Live. I'm Ryan Pierce. We appreciate you tuning in on this Tuesday afternoon. Uh, across the country, we've seen the fall of Roe vs. Wade impact states, uh, specifically the trigger uh, bans that have been put into place in many states. Now, in Louisiana, they're being litigated, but Texas, they're in their, their trigger ban is in place. We talked to doctors from Louisiana, as well as Texas, in this field, about how these trigger bans are not really impacting women who are seeking abortions, but women who are just experiencing pregnancy complications. First, we start with Dr. Jennifer Vegno. She is the director of the City of New Orleans Health Department. Joining us now on Local News Live is Dr. Jennifer Avegno, the director of the New Orleans Health Department. Dr. Avegno, thanks for joining us. What are the broad health complications from the trigger laws in New Orleans? There's a lot of unintended consequences, I think, that uh, we're very concerned about. Um, one of which is that in Louisiana, we have um, a really poor track record of uh, high rates of maternal mortality. In the U.S., compared to other developed nations, we also have an unacceptably high incidence of maternal mortality. Uh, in Louisiana in particular, a third of our parishes or counties have no obstetric provider, which means that women already are traveling long distances for routine care. We know that that, that contributes. Some of the provisions in the law would make it such that burden is increased. Uh, in, in, for example, in the, um, the exception for abortion for medically futile pregnancies mandates two physicians have to agree. In, if you're living in a place that doesn't even have one physician, trying to find two physicians is, is a really impossible task. Um, and any delay in care means worse complications for you and for the pregnancy. Along with that is the criminalization of physicians uh, and hard jail time for violating any procedures or any um, requirements of the law when there is so much uncertainty in the law. Many of my colleagues, both in the emergency space and the OB space, um, are really unclear as to when they are able to step in, provide the usual medical treatment for a woman who might uh, be in, in crisis. Maybe she's not about to die right in front of us, but she's got a condition that's going to become urgent. We don't know when the line's drawn. What that, and, and, it, and, and there's a lot of fear of, if I do what I think is right, will I end up in jail? Um, our attorney general has been very bold in making no secret that he will go after physicians. So all of that creates a climate of uncertainty and a real chilling effect on recruiting physicians, retaining physicians. You know, there's a lot of physicians who are, if they're choosing between whether they wanna come practice in Louisiana or a state that does not have uh, these penalties, I don't think they're going to come here. And that just makes our overall physician shortage worse, which affects everyone's care. When you have to contact an attorney or a team of attorneys prior to ending a pregnancy because the woman's life or even their health is at risk. What kind of complications does that present? Our, our hospital system, the hospital system where I work, has a, a really wonderful attorney who has offered to be on speed dial for all of that, but that's, that's really unsustainable. And also that interpretation, whatever the interpretation is of the situation, does not necessarily preclude that a prosecutor isn't gonna see it differently and prosecute, right? So 
we can get an opinion, but we don't want to waste our time getting legal opinions every time a pregnant woman walks into the emergency department. We don't do that for any other condition. And again, in the emergency department, we see complications of pregnancy all the time. So it's not like this is a rare occurrence that's never going to happen. Um, it's, it's really not a sustainable model to say, get a legal opinion before you do anything. Have you had to deny any women who are having birth complications care because of the trigger laws? It certainly is early. We are monitoring for those. I will tell you that my emergency colleagues, uh, we are well-versed in Mtala. We will never deny care to anyone. Um, so I, I'm very confident that, that we are going to proceed as we always have. What we are hearing, though, um, is with both women and others who are prescribed um, drugs like Cytotec, misoprostol, or methotrexate for non-elective abortion reasons, having being either denied or having an awful lot of confusion as to whether or not they can get their medication. So, you know, think of the 70-year-old gentleman who takes methotrexate for rheumatoid arthritis. We're hearing that he was automatically denied from the pharmacy because they too have a lot of lack of clarity and are very concerned that someone's going to prosecute them because they gave a drug that in some cases is used for an elective abortion. That means he's not getting his care. That's necessary care for him to manage that disease. So we're already starting to hear that. We're already starting to hear a lot of confusion from pharmacies themselves as to what this one is doing versus that one is doing. Any confusion, any delay in care is going to lead to bad outcomes. What clarification is needed from politicians and officials in Louisiana to make this an easier process? There's an opportunity to do this legislation better. We should certainly take it. Um, number one, criminalization of physicians is is going to lead to bad outcomes straight up, and so that provision should should be looked at, um, and you know we believe thrown out. Uh, the Clarification to from far, the pharmacy board or two pharmacies around that it is absolutely uh, within their right and responsibility to dispense medications that are used for treatment of a variety of medical conditions. You know, last night the 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 federal uh, office of civil rights came out with some good clarification as to what might happen if a pharmacy denies a particular medication um, and that needs to be adopted by the state. Um, and so that there's, there's absolute clarity. And again, just a, an immense amount of outreach and education, not just to providers, which I know many of my colleagues were working very hard in hospitals and trying to do a good job, but to our patients, because they, they're not in the weeds on this. You know, all they might have heard is that there are new restrictions. We know that, that several of them in the first few weeks since the decision have called their OBs saying, can I still get my birth control? Can I get my emergency contraception? Those are the ones that are calling. There's a lot of folks who are not calling. They're just not going to get it. And they're going to show up in the emergency department when complications ensue. So there really needs to be a strong effort, not only to educate the public on what is what is likely going to be available should the, the trigger law stand, and also a real evaluation of the investment in families and mothers um, so that when, you know, so that we can support 
all of the things that go into having a healthy family, um, not just the pregnancy, but the things that's, that, that I think get those pro-life goals um, and make them real and sustainable. So our focus is on women who may not even want an abortion. They're just having health complications related to their pregnancy and what the impact of the trigger laws and the overturning of Roe versus Wade mean for the state of Louisiana, specifically New Orleans. But for those women who do want an abortion, where do they have to travel now, uh, assuming these trigger laws are upheld in the court system if they live in Louisiana? You know, there are many, many states that have their own versions of trigger bans most, if not all of which are currently being litigated. Um, and everyone is quite different. You know, we're right next to Texas. Texas has a very different law than we do. In many ways, even worse, um, because it encourages individuals to spy on each other uh, and to report what they think might be happening, which is really um, sort of a, a horrific kind of society to live in, if you, you know, if I'm being honest. But it's, it's unclear what will be available. I think it's going to be weeks, if not months, before the landscape settles out. Um, and so again, any confusion um, around not, not just abortion rights, but around care of birthing people is going to make our already bad outcomes worse. Dr. Jennifer Vegno, the director of the health department in the city of New Orleans, she mentioned the state of Texas, Louisiana, currently the trigger uh, bans are being held up by uh, litigation, the court system. They are uh, the law of the land in Texas, with abortion being uh, illegal in that state. And we talked to Dr. Jennifer Gulick. She is an OBGYN about that impact on her practice and the, the patients she's seen, as well as other concerns about the, the law in the state and how it's impacting women experiencing pregnancy complications. Here is our conversation with her. We're joined by Dr. Jennifer Gulick, OBGYN in Frisco, Texas. Dr. Gulick, thanks for joining us today. To what frequency are women asking for procedures that prevent them from getting pregnant? It's gone up uh, at least double or triple. Um, I used to get requests to tie people's tubes maybe five or six times a year outside of a C-section. And already this week or two, I've had 10 people that we're working on scheduling surgery for. Um, we're also seeing a huge increase in requests for things like IUDs, which are long acting um, contraceptive methods. I've also heard that vasectomies have been uh, hugely increased as well with our urology colleagues. So for sure, people are way more uh, scared to get unintentionally pregnant and they're wanting to prevent it before their access to potential access to contraception goes away. I've never been someone that had a strict age limit for things like that. I think that women should have autonomy over their body. And so as long as they were appropriately counseled and understood that things, you know, like a tubal are irreversible, um, I was pretty much always willing to do it, but even more so now um, with, you know, with the appropriate counseling. Um, when I trained about 15 years ago, they said that uh, women under 30, most people wouldn't do any permanent procedure on because there was a higher rate of regret. Um, I think that's, you know, definitely uh, less common to hear these days, but I have had women that have seen several other doctors and been refused um, or um, if they're not refusing, they're getting a lot of pushback about it. Um, some doctors suggest women see a psychiatrist first just to make sure that they know what they want to do. 
Um, so definitely my um, feelings have changed a little bit, but I think hopefully um, more, more doctors are willing to do this for people. What is the conversation around the medical community in Texas like about the potential loss to maybe some contraceptions in that state? So far, everyone's access to contraception is pretty much the same as it was before. Um, but there's always a concern about them, uh, you know, taking away access. And so that's why I think there's a big push right now to, you know, either get an IUD put in, get people's tubes tied um, before that changes. So I haven't heard anything definite, but there are definitely rumors that, you know, that could be coming if, if things don't change. To what extent do these trigger laws in Texas impact doctors trying to help patients who may be having pregnancy problems? Some of it changes day by day, um, which is really hard for us to know what to do in that moment. Um, so far, it sounds like the ability to save someone's life if they're about to um, die from, say, an ectopic pregnancy or a hemorrhage or something else has been pretty well upheld. Um, uh, we have a committee at our hospital that reviews all of those cases um, to make sure that they're approved um, after the passage of um, SB6 and SB8 in Texas. Um, so, so far, I haven't seen too many situations where, um, where people, you know, have to choose to save a woman's life or not based on the presence of a heartbeat in the fetus. But um, I think it definitely introduces a lot of um, indecision on the part of the medical team um, as far as le legal implications down the road, which is really unfortunate. Um, so, Could having to consult with an attorney or a team of attorneys in some cases lead to delay in care? We've seen that in Louisiana. We talked to a doctor there, but how about in Texas? I mean, it could absolutely, if you have to get a committee together to approve a procedure and somebody's actively hemorrhaging, that could definitely delay care. Um, I think in general, um, we may see an increase in maternal mortality, which is already high, um, especially in Texas. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think doctors should be free to save someone's life without worrying about going to jail for it afterwards. What is the guidance from the state like right now and what could be useful? We, I would say we haven't gotten a ton of guidance from the state. Um, each hospital's kind of uh, legal and ethical team has been getting together to kind of decide what to do in those situations. So like I said, our hospital has a committee um, and it's three doctors. We can meet emergently if we need to, but um, to decide if, if that procedure is appropriate. What questions are women asking in Texas that maybe they didn't ask before the trigger ban was put into place? I mean, I'm having a ton of discussions about the whole thing. Um, people are definitely wanting more effective contraception. So people who have been on, say, birth control pills forever are now not happy with, you know, even a 1% chance of getting pregnant on the pill. And so they're wanting you know, either long-acting reversible contraception, such as an IUD, or wanting their tubes tied. Um, I've even had people who are in monogamous relationships who are just so afraid of, like, getting assaulted and becoming pregnant that they want their tubes tied, um, even though it's a really low chance. Um, just really crazy conversations that um, I never thought I would have with people. Um, 
And I'm definitely being more proactive than I've ever been about when I do see someone that's not on any contraception, making sure that, you know, they know the implications of that. Um, whereas before I was probably a little more likely to, to let them, you know, do whatever they want. Um, Dr. Jennifer Gulick, she's an OBGYN at a private practice in Frisco, Texas, saying that she has seen more women ask about procedures that may help them prevent getting pregnant, as well as she's heard word of more men looking for vasectomies to prevent uh, pregnancy in the state of Texas, as well as the impact of those trigger, uh, the abortion trigger ban laws that are on.